It's now 44 with the massive number ones from Robbie Williams and Britney Spears. Over 40 of the biggest hits of the year with Shania Twain, Eiffel 65. Now 44 with the number ones from Steps. Jerry Halliwell, Ronan Keating and Lou Vega. Now 44 with Wamdu Project and Anne Lee. Now 44, that's what I call music. Hello. Hello. You're listening to Track by Track with me, Dan. And me, Will. This is the podcast where you take a great pop music album and break it down track by track. Now, that's what I call a great premise for a pop music podcast. And on the turntable this week, we've got Now 44. What? What are we doing, Dan? Why? We've never done a compilation album before. There is a very good reason why we're doing a compilation album today. First, well, let me get it out of the way. The reason we're talking about it today of all days is because this album turns 21. But there's another reason as well, isn't there, Will? Yes, we've got a very special guest joining us today. Uh, master of all things pop, all things compilation. Uh, it is the wonderful Rob from Pop Music Activism. Welcome, Rob. Hello. Hello. Welcome to Track by Track. How are you doing? I, I am good. I felt that was quite a grand um, description of me. Maybe a little too grand, Master of Pop. I don't think it was grand enough, to be honest. Okay. We'll hype you, you up bo- as the episode goes on. Uh, we've brought, you've brought a lot of pop joy to a lot of people over the last couple of years with the work you do, bringing forgotten pop gems back onto streaming services. How did you first get started? Oh, it was five years ago, basically doing it for a friend of mine who was a singer and had none of her music on there. Um, I thought I'll help her out, phoned the main switchboards of the labels that I thought owned the music, got connected to the catalogue teams, um, and it just went from there, having the contacts at the labels to go, hi, um, notice this isn't on streaming, could you maybe put it online, please? And it's it's just built from there, you know, as I get stuff online i get more requests come through and i can go to the labels and say hey there's a demand for all this kind of stuff and how long have you been doing it for now and how many tracks or tracks or albums have you got online so far um four years uh, i've not got a proper tally of how many tracks and albums so there's, there's definitely 100 top uk top 40 singles i've got online but then there's, you know, Huge. Below, there's yeah other stuff that didn't say crack the charts and then albums as well. A fair whack. Uh, and is what are your favourite? What are your biggest successes? Because uh, I think Dan and I have pro- could probably talk about a couple that you've that you've been responsible for. But what about you? Uh, biggest successes, I'd say my first number one, my first number one single, Shanks of Bigfoot, Sweet Like Chocolate, uh, getting that onto a Spotify. Diva by Dano International, that felt quite special when it came online. Uh, other ones, Band-Aid 2 uh, and Horny by Moose T. Ah, we've talked, we have talked about, and uh, I know we've had Moose T on Instagram telling us about some of his uh, experiences as well. Dan, what about you from what Rob has done, the great stuff Rob's done, what, what sticks in your mind? I think uh, All Stars, Things That Go Bump in the Night, mm-hmm. one of the best halloween songs of all time the best criminal the well if not the best yeah and um 
the fact that you couldn't have it on on Halloween playlists along with Thriller and everything else was was criminal. So it's it's fantastic that that's on there. That 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 is actually my all time favorite. Is Rob is the Xenomania version on streaming services yet? I believe it is. Yeah, it's a bonus track on the uh, album. Brilliant. That, that's good. That's that's the, my preferred version, but the the original is amazing. And Will. Yes. Uh, what's your favorite? Oh. It's a recent one, actually, and we were just talking about it before we started recording. Uh, Mary Chiani's album, Long, Hard, Funky Dreams. Was that the title? Yeah, it was indeed. Uh, and we were just talking about how much we love some of the remixes, and we'd love to see them make an appearance as well at some point, particularly the Motivate remixes. Yeah, fingers crossed. Mary always liked to uh, perform the Motivate remixes whenever she did a live PA. Uh, I wonder why. Probably to do with where she's performing them. Yes. <laughs> Royal Albert Hall. <laughs> uh, the, the Sydney Opera House, wasn't it? She, there was, wasn't there an album she released and it had the Sydney Opera House in the background? Yeah, I think she just, you know, Google image searched that and just slapped it on the background. <laughs> oh, Mary. Ticked the copyright free <laughs> box. <laughs> so Rob is with Dan and myself today because we've got the uh, gargantuan task of talking about, uh, now that's what I call music, 44. And I can share another reason, as well as it turning 21, which is making us all feel a little bit older, is that this is the best-selling Now album. Yeah. And I think I was just having a quick look beforehand, of course, because I was doing my research and I'm very professional. This one went seven times platinum, where the two either side, I think, went three times platinum. So it's not just... It didn't just do slightly better than the ones that came before it was huge which of course mm. in part is to do with christmas it, a lot of people got it for christmas i got it for christmas did you two get it for christmas yeah i think i bought it with my woolies voucher oh lovely happy times um but also the artists on this one i think as we'll see when we're going through it these might be some of the it might be the now that is the most killer and less filler it's worth saying, just for regular listeners, we're taking a slightly different approach to a this Now album as a compilation. Um, I'm going to see how it goes. So we've each picked our five favourite tracks, uh, or five tracks that we really want to talk about. And we're going to, t- we're going to play clips from those tracks in the usual manner. Uh, but obviously lots of other things to talk about, uh, lots of other artists and tracks through this album worth a mention. Uh, and we're also going to maybe redirect you to some previous track-by-track episodes uh, where we did cover the song or artists covered as well. But Rob, I have to ask, because uh, it feels like we're all like quite like-minded individuals today. Uh, what, what do you love about the Now series? Because um, I know it's been an influence for you as well in some of the DJ work you've done. Yeah, for me, it's just the, the whole compilation factor. Sometimes uh, I don't have the attention span to go through an entire album by one artist. So, you know, very much the kind of pick and mix, um, as you used to get in Woolies, of you know, different genres, different artists. Um, you know, and, and sometimes the odd uh, flop would make it on there as well that uh, had yet to be released. And, you know, the now people thought this was going to be a hit and... Um, you know, there's some stuff that ma- has made it onto now albums that would otherwise have been completely forgotten from time. So as we'll mention there, you've done some DJing as well. Uh, we were present for your One More Time 1999 night. Last Was that last year? Uh, it's February. February. Um, 
It just feels such a long time ago, just before lockdown. Yeah, it'd be great to know how, where did the idea come from and how did you how did you make that happen? Because it was fan, it was one of my favourite club nights out ever. It was just brilliant. Oh, thank you. Um, it's something I'd wanted to do for ages. Um, I've you know clearly love a retro night, late nineties, early noughties. You know, it's very much my bag. But I don't know about you. Every time I go to a retro night, quite often it's just you know the big hits. Um, for 90s, you know, Rhythm is a Dancer, Wannabe, Everybody's Backstreet's Back, all great songs, but there was just so much more that the 90s and early noughties had to offer. So I thought, you know, the best way would be to have a night that just breaks it down year by year. And that way you get to play the big hits, the also ran hits, the not quite hits, and, and if you're lucky, the flops. Um, so yeah, it was a joy to do, and I'm really glad that uh, it went well. It was just... Uh, a shame to launch a club night just before pandemic. <laughs> yeah. And Dan, I've got to pull you up on something you said just before that. You said it was your favourite club night ever, but I'm sure you said to me in the past it was porn idol at heaven. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've grown up a bit since then, so... Uh, what just... we want? That was when we were on the phone last night. Um, I think it's probably a good time to get stuck into the album now. <laughs> Shall we? Yes, let's. So... Uh, so just a reminder, we're not going to talk about every track, but we are going to go through the album in order. Uh, so side one, track one um, is Britney Spears, Baby One More Time. What a way to kick off an now album. Yeah, one of the biggest pop songs of all time, isn't it, really? Indeed. Although I, it is um, slightly notable that this was a song that came out at the start in 99, but didn't make it onto a now compilation until the end of the year. Sometimes it felt like the labels would hold back on putting a song into uh, a compilation. Um, do you think because they wanted it to be on the big Christmas now and rather than kind of have it hidden away in the middle of the year somewhere? I think also it would have possibly been so it didn't dent the sales of the single or the parent album at the time and they could probably get away with it. And then it's almost like the compilation was a extra boost once the single and album had been done with. That's I like your that's much more likely actually isn't it money it's all about money yes. it's all about money as Maya said but I, I liked it when sometimes you would find that the a new song would be on the now album like a week later so if you'd already thought if you'd already seen the track listing you didn't have to buy the single you could just wait till the uh, now came out yeah but you didn't get the poster though or the dance moves if it was steps and the or the little insert card if you want to three, find out more information three Alveston Place. <laughs> Three out Leamington Spa. Yes. yes. Yeah, we not the first time we've mentioned that address on this on this podcast. Uh but I think this is a great way if you're thinking about a compilation that kind of sums up a year, having this as the first track is a great way to kick off. Indeed. Also worth noting we haven't done this Britney album yet, so uh we really do need to, don't we? Because uh, we did we bowed to pressure and did Blackout as our first Britney album. Uh, which was great. It was a great episode. Do check it out. Dan, track two, it's all you. Yeah, so we are going to stop and talk about this one in a little bit more detail. So track two is Shania Twain, That Don't Impress Me Much. That don't impress me much. Don't 
So a little bit of That Don't Impress Me Much there from Shania Twain. This was from the album Come On Over uh, and the international version because there is an original version of this song which is much more country-based, going back to Shania's kind of roots. Uh, but this was known as the international mix or the dance mix. And uh, I think even though she was already a name, this is the track, certainly in the UK, that made her huge. This was a number three hit in the UK and sold over a million copies. And Rob, are you a fan of this song? Yeah, I am. Um, many great members from the time. And this was a song, it seemed to be in the charts, particularly like the top 10 for ages, like yo-yoing around here, there and everywhere. You know, I think prior to this point, you know, she'd had a few middling hits. Then all of a sudden, you know, this was the big one that, you know, got everyone's attention. Yeah. I wonder what it was. Was it because it's it's very sassy? Lots of references to uh, famous guys, uh, and I don't know. It just felt this was like a real breakthrough for her. I think it was that that mix of it, that dance or international mix, that made it more uh, pop friendly, I suppose. So you could imagine hearing it on a night out or on the radio, not just on a specialist country uh, show or something like that. So, track number three, it's Mambo Number Five Gosh. by Lou Vega. So, you groaned, Rob. Why Why groan for that one? This is just one song. You know, everyone has that trigger song that they just hate. And I'm sorry, guys, this is the one for me. Wow. Oh, no need to apologise. And Well, unless Dan's a fan, I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> <laughs> no, I much prefer the Bob the, Vil- Bob the Builder version, to be honest with you. <laughs> No, not not a massive fan at all. But it was it was a number one, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, number one for a couple of weeks, I think. And the only thing I like about this song was it was featured in an episode of the Royal Family. And Dan, you'll know this. Was it when they were scraping the wallpaper off the walls, and they were eating bacon sandwiches? Yeah, ah, oh, love that episode. But Will, I'd love to know what is the song that triggers you that you just absolutely hate. Oh, um, uh, Hey Ya by Outcast. No way. Oh, my God. So overplayed. When I hear it now, I literally uh, want to just bury my head somewhere. Wow. That's, that has surprised me. That's really surprised me. I just think it was just... It was a good song when it came out, but it's just one of those ones that's just been played too much everywhere. Yeah. Mine would be Journey, Don't Stop Believing. Oh, Yeah. I'm just, yeah, I think it's when Glee did it. It was it was bad enough before, and then when Glee did it, it just made it. It was just everywhere. We couldn't escape from that song, and it's just that that sort of power pop rock in general. It's just not for me. I found it interesting when that you know became a thing again with Glee, how everyone suddenly remembered it being a song in the eighties, and yet it was never even a hit in the eighties. Uh, for track four, we're Rob. Over to you. Uh, indeed, I feel sixty-five with Blue Dabadee. So that was Blue, Dabba Dee, Dabba Die, or in Aberdeen, I Will Die, as uh, my friend thought it was. 
or I'm in need of a guy, as uh, one of the uh, internet articles on this uh, track said. Um, so that was a number one for three weeks in September 1999. Really big hit. So that's one of the relatively newer songs then, I suppose, on, on this one, because we talked about Britney being, was that in February, I think? Mm. And then I forgot to say, actually, Shania's was in May. So that, again, felt like quite a way away from this release. But this one, just, what, two or three months away? So, yeah. Yeah. 1.38 million copies sold, two times platinum this went. Not bad for what you could, some people would call a novelty uh, Europop record. Oh, indeed. I mean, this was completely cheesy, even down to, do you remember the video with the, you know, dodgy CGI of the Blue Aliens? Even in 1999, looked absolutely rubbish. It was like the precursor to Avatar, wasn't it? Yes. <laughs> I don't think this was on the soundtrack, though, to Avatar. <laughs> and this, this, this version is called the DJ Pont, Ponte Ice Pop Mix, which is the one that... Um... Or the Ice Pop Radio edit, which is the one that became the hit that it was. I guess because of that, wasn't necessarily the original version. I, I don't know, because actually Pop, Gabri Ponte was one of the members of Eiffel 65. So I don't know whether he was oh. like, mm, this is a rubbish demo. Let's let me uh, spruce this one up. But uh, whatever he did, it was uh, it works. It was a hit all over Europe. Um, and actually, in, in the UK, this was a song that actually made it into the top 40 on import sales before the song was actually popularly released in the UK. Wow. Um, and actually, 1999 was full of that. Um, I think it was a case of, you know, people going overseas on holiday, hearing stuff in Ibiza, but also, I guess, the dawn of the internet and people, you know, seeing what was available in or hearing what was available in other countries. That is fascinating, actually. Dan, why can't we be as knowledgeable as that? <laughs> Not, yeah, all the facts, all the figures. Um, I don't know, but it is really incredible to hear that because it actually brings back a memory. I remember this charting as uh, an import, but I, I'd completely forgotten about that. And as you said, it was kind of the dawn of of the internet or the internet becoming what it is today. So, you, yeah, you couldn't just stream a song. You couldn't download a song. If you wanted a song that wasn't available in the UK, you had to either yeah go to h&b in their import section or could you buy it online at that point like could you buy the cd to import no it no no you have to pay seven no. seven eight pound for an imported cd single who would have thought oh my word uh, just to say as well this track was an award-winning song it got best dance tune at the 1999 smash hits paul williams party i thought you were going to say it won an ivan novello <laughs> not quite so uh, track number five is uh, Tragedy by Steps. Dan, have we talked about Steps enough recently or should we talk a little bit more? I think, well, well, we've covered this song on our Steptacular episode. So uh, perhaps people would like to pop back there after this, after this episode. And or then into track six, Jerry Halliwell, Michiko Latino. Which we've talked about on our Schizophonic episode. <laughs> But we shouldn't we shouldn't um, skip over them too quickly because uh, I'm sure Rob has some memories of the likes of Jerry and Steps from from back in the day. Oh yeah, I mean that summer of 1999, you know, Jerry started out, Steps really hitting their peak was uh, amazing. Um, I'm sure they were probably doing the Radio One road shows at the time. Um, unfortunately, back in Cleethorpes, where I'm from, we we didn't get Jerry or Steps. Who did you get? Well, actually, we got S Club 7, albeit S Club 7 before they 
got to uh, number one with the first single. So it's like pre-fame. Uh, but at least you got all seven, unlike now. Yes, indeed. Now you've got two, haven't you, I think? You've got two plus Amelia Lilly as well. <laughs> oh, and we should quickly say about Steps as well. This song was released a whole year before Now 44. This was released in November 1998. So that must be one of the records for the longest time to get on the album, or on the Now, I should say. Uh, moving on beyond that to track number seven, uh, Robbie Williams, uh, She's the One. Rob, are you a Robbie fan? Uh, not particularly, no. Will? Not, uh, well, not of this song, no, but we talked about some of Robbie's uh, more palatable work when we talked about his Rude Box. Yes, he got his Rude Box out for us, which was lovely. We, well, I, I love this song. I, I'm a big Robbie Williams fan in general. Uh, just worth noting, this was a number one, I believe, as a double A side with It's Only Us. And It's Only Us, I think, appeared on the next Now album. And if we can't tempt you with Robbie Williams, Rob, maybe Ronan Keating which is the eighth track. Oh, I mean, Memories of Notting Hill, because it was on the soundtrack of that movie. When you say, when you say nothing at Indeed. all. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I got away with playing a chorus during the uh, One More Time 1999. I had a little ballad medley, and I thought, you know, I'd have to, have to at least reference this track. Because it was a number one, wasn't it? It was a big hit. Yeah. And I think this more or less heralded the end of Boyzone. Definitely. Yeah, and but weirdly, I'm pretty sure it appeared on their Greatest Hits album by request. Also, it's worth pointing out that this song, track eight, all of these songs we've had so far were UK number ones as well, which is, again, probably why this Now album was the, is still the biggest selling ever. Actually, question for you both. Who is number one at the moment in the, in the charts? Collect one of 12 newly arrived teeny beanie babies with every happy meal. Only at McDonald's. You know if you use lemon juice on your hair, the sun lightens it. Is that how new surf lemon tablets do it? Who cares? Mm. With the Weight Watchers Points Diet, whatever you want to eat can lead to whatever you want to wear. Weight Watchers new 123 Success 2000, the diet that's easy to stick to because no food's a sin. Pick up your free Slimmer Summer book when you join a Weight Watchers meeting. Weight Watchers new 123 Success 2000 Points Diet. Registration's free, so join today and soon you'll weigh whatever you want. So because you both looked a bit puzzled there, I've had a look. I've just given Rob Copsey a call and he's told me that at time of recording... Uh, it's Ariana Grande and Positions at number one in the singles chart. And off the back of that, question for you both. What's your favourite... No, 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 I'm not going to go there. No. <laughs> oh. Ariana Grande song. <laughs> <laughs> so, number nine, track nine, is Melanie C with Northern Star. Uh, it's, it's one of her best songs ever. I think it's a stunning, mm. stunning ballad. Uh, I think this was played at one more time, 1999 as well. Yeah, yeah it made the ballad medley section. Um, and this was quite a departure from the single she had previously going down, which was, you know, all heavy rock and grunge. And then, you know, it was this nice sweeping ballad. The next track, track number 10. Uh, this is an interesting one, which I haven't even listened to or thought about for such a long time. Uh, Sixpence, None the Richer and Kiss Me. Yeah, I, I, mean, I remember this song. I remember thinking it was quite nice, but... 
I don't know if the band even did anything else. Mm-hmm. You know, Rob? It's quite. It was quite a wistful song. Um, a bit bland. It did get to number four in the UK, so that is probably why. But the only other chart success was a cover of There, there She, she Goes, goes uh, which got to number 14, oh. also in 1999. Track 11, and don't worry, listeners, there is some music coming up shortly. Um, <laughs> really not spaced this out very well, have we? <laughs> we just, well, we pick the songs we really liked and want to talk about, and we just can't, you can't manufacture that. And like a now 44 CD. There's a thrilling uh, climax uh, to come and... at the end of CD2. <laughs> there is absolutely, absolutely uh, eye-watering. Uh, so track number 11 is Texas and Summer Sun. This is one of their sort of more upbeat bangers, isn't it? They do the ballads, but this was a, a bit of a bop. Um, oh, yeah, I remember really liking this one. Yeah, it came out in summer as well, which was rather handy given the uh, title. And uh, yeah, I can remember quite a few long, hot summer nights where this song was playing. Uh, so on to track number 12 now. And here we go. Some time, a time for a bit of uh, music. Uh, this one's my selection. This is Maloko and Sing It Back. So that's Maloko uh, and Sing It Back there. So Maloko are, in case you don't know, the lovely Roisin Murphy and Mark Bryden. Uh, and this was, I th- if I think back to my student days, this was a, uh iconic memory of um, nights out, uh, drinks in the flat, anything. This was the cool dance song that um, soundtracked some of, my, uh, some of my times at university. And of course, Roisin, back this year with just a phenomenal album, uh, The Roisin Machine. Uh, but this was kind of more back to her roots and where she kind of started out in the charts. Uh, and this, of course, is a remix of the original version of the song, isn't it? So uh, the original version was released in the UK and only got to number 45. Uh, and then this version got to number four. And I think this is what made them uh, a big name, certainly in the mm. UK. Uh, and then was followed by The Time Is Now and Familiar Feeling and other things. And then, of course, uh, Rasheen, as a solo artist, has gone on to do some incredible stuff as well. And Boris Delugos, who did the actual remix that, of the version that everyone knows, um, he then collaborated with Rasheen a couple of years later to do uh, a song called Never Enough, which was a top 20 hit. Oh, that's brilliant. A wonderful track, that one. Uh, and I think you had a hand in bringing it back to our attention. Uh, yep. Yeah. For some reason, they'd not put the radio edit online. Um, and let's face it, at times no one wants to listen to a seven-minute-long version of a song. Um, <laughs> we all prefer the radio edit. So we um, managed to get the labels put it on, and they actually did some brand-new remixes for 2020 off the back of it. Oh. It might not surprise you. Will, you actually do prefer the extra length, don't you? <laughs> I do. Um, there are some other there's loads of remixes for this song as well from the likes of Moose T and Todd Terry Booker T there are a, a, a whole host of remixes uh, but it is this version we just played that for me is the ultimate version so track number 13 uh, is the first probably proper balls out dance track on this uh, now compilation and it's uh, Bob Marley and the Funk Star Deluxe 
uh, with Sun Is Shining. And I remember this was a summer. This was a summer track, wasn't it? This came out during the summer. Yeah, uh, just uh, September actually. So just towards the end of summer. But I suppose it's the kind of song where, as the sun's going down, you kind of think of this one. Uh, so yeah, should we have a little listen to it? Yep. So yeah, a little bit of Bob Marley versus Funkstar Deluxe, Sun is Shining there. I think I think we might have said at the start of the episode, some of these songs that we've chosen to talk about in a bit more depth today, uh, the reason is because we might not actually do the album that they came from. And some is because they, are, they were just a one-off, so there is no album really to go with it. And this is one of those. This was um, actually the first time that a producer received clearance from the Marley estate uh, to release an official remix of a Bob Marley song. And thank goodness they did, because this is a banger, isn't it? Oh, indeed. It is. I, I, can, I think if I think back to this summer, it was probably when the whole kind of Ibiza and having it large on the Balearics. Um, Dan, have you ever had it large on your Balearics? <laughs> no comment. Ah, OK. Um, but no, people were flying out to the islands in their droves for that kind of Ibiza experience. And I can rem- I'm can, i sure I can remember Ibiza uncovered shows where this was one of the songs they would feature in the soundtrack. Yeah. With all of the club reps and the holidaymakers all kind of going crazy. And this year was, 1999, was definitely the year where, you know, dance really came into the charts, yeah, with a force. Yeah, every week there was almost like this new big Ibiza hit that was raring to race into the top ten. Uh, but this version of the song, Rob, you were telling me, while we were getting ready for this episode, you were telling me that this, there's a different version, of, there's an alternate version of the song, is that right? Yeah, it seems um, a few years ago, Funkstar Deluxe decided to do a slight re-recording of this. Um, and unfortunately, due to Spotify and other providers algorithms it's this re-record that appears top of the list when you search for it you've got to dig a little bit deeper to get the the actual version sounds very similar but it's not quite not quite the version if you know your stuff oh it's it's just very slightly different music i think this the re-record's a little bit longer um they may maybe try to update it which isn't always the right thing to do, is it? Because sometimes you just want that original one. Yes. Uh, although sometimes I think artists do it because they don't hold the rights to the original. Um, if And if the rights holder isn't putting it online, then they just think it's better to do a re-record. Isn't that a kind of a the Taylor Swift situation? Well, I was going to say Sunita situation. If you, um, <laughs> if you look at Sunita's discography on uh, digital music platforms, uh, in particular the cover art for uh, Sunita's re-records. Well, I'm just having flashbacks to that Halloween party where we, you went dressed as Sunita at Judge's house <laughs> and went back to wearing the leaves. Oh, when she surprised the boys out by the pool. Yeah, which is what I did to you on holiday, wasn't it? Oh. Yes. Uh, I think for the boys by the pool, it was a happy surprise on holiday this year. Um, there were much smaller leaves. Uh, so, track 14 now, Rob, over to you. Uh, Diana Ross with Not Over You Yet. 
so Dino Rosswood, not over you yet. Uh, very much jumping on the bandwagon of uh, Agent Divas doing dancey club music. Um, the year prior, Cher had a big hit with Believe, Gloria Estefan was doing dance music, and then in this autumn of 1999, you suddenly had all these divas doing uh, dance music uh, that was all done by the people behind Believe by share uh, the production guys known as metro uh, and metro it does sound like a lot of music metro are producing at the time i know things have changed a lot since then but and i'm not complaining because i really enjoy that kind of retro uh it's funny to call something from the late 90s retro uh retro dance beat but yeah around that time you had diana ross doing that uh tina turner did the same. Belinda Carlisle tried it with All God's Children. In fact, it wasn't even the women. Um, Mike and the Mechanics, a few months earlier, had a Metro-produced uh, track, which flopped. And then the year after, Lionel Richie had a track called Angel, which was Metro-produced. Um, although I must say that not over you yet, actually, the original version, which is on the album, um, is, is more, you know, a slower downbeat track. And uh, it was actually remixed by Metro, for the single version. So it, it was a little bit misleading compared to the actual album, because the album you'd expect to be full of dance bops, but actually it was just full of, you know, ballads and and Diana's, um, you know, usual style of music. And you're like, where's the bops? And, you know, this song was tucked away as a bonus track at the end. I'd have been storming into our price for a refund if that was <laughs> if I'd uh, been led up the garden path in such a way. Uh, speaking of ageing uh, female pop singers uh, coming back. Uh, the next track is uh, Tina Turner, When the Heartache is Over. So we're that's continuing a theme a little bit there. That's number track 15. Metro again. And Metro again. And track 16, Jamiroquai uh, and Canned Heat. So Dan, are Jamiroquai on our list of our artists and albums to cover? Joe, you know well, they are purely because... When I was deciding which of the tracks to talk about, this was going to be one of mine. And I thought, no, I want to do a whole Jamiroquai album. I don't know which one's my favourite. I don't know which one's the best. But they've had so many fantastic like, funk, dance, pop bangers. Uh, so we will be talking about this much more in the future. Uh, and the following track is, and Dan, I know you'll have something to say about this, Tom Jones uh, with uh, the... Cardigans. It's Tom Jones and the Cardigans and Burning Down the House. And weirdly, you did your Tom Jones impression when we were talking about Ronan Keating earlier. So I don't know. Perhaps you got a bit mixed up there. Um, but... No, that was my share impression. Oh, even more baffling, <laughs> but not surprising. <laughs> uh, this one, of course, we talked about it on the Reload episode, but this was the first track released from that, wasn't it? So it was a very exciting time in 1999 when Tom Jones was just about to release what would become his best-selling album ever, this uh, duets album with lots of cover versions. And I just remember the first time hearing this thinking what what a banger what a great production i love the cardigans as well um yes it's just a, it's a it is a great pop song and what's actually quite nice looking back is you know we just talked about diana ross tina turner and tom jones who all at that time were thought of as aging artists uh you know more senior artists and yet you know they were still there getting on the radio and having top 10 hits don't feel happens nowadays so uh, the next track is, Dan, it's over to you for this one, which is track number 18. Yes, this is Brand Van 3000 with Drinking in LA. Absolutely nothing that day. And I say, what the hell am I doing drinking? 
So that is Drinking in LA by Brand Band 3000. Uh, hi, my name is Stereo Mike. What a great intro to a song. It's quite iconic, isn't it? Quite cult and quite iconic. Well, you know exactly where you are when you hear that, don't you? Immediately. Yeah, really downbeat song as well, which, you know, is a real contrast to quite a lot of the happy, poppy stuff that was in the charts at the time. And I think you'd normally find this kind of thing at this place towards the end of CD1, wouldn't you? It kind of would normally go into a bit of indie, you know, more downbeat territory. Mm. I've always thought I'd love the job of um, putting the Now albums together or just putting playlists together. That was always like a dream job for me. I'm sure someone actually does it, but you don't often see it down the job centre, do you? Sadly not. It's almost it's almost too cool for school, this track, isn't it? Um, and I was just thinking, have you ever, either of you, found yourselves uh, drinking in LA? Yes, a couple of years ago. Ah, oh. did you have this song in your head? I didn't actually, no. No, <laughs> sadly. Uh, no, Dancing on, in my, on My Own by Robin, I can remember from LA, but uh, not this. Um, I haven't either, I'm very sad to say. Not yet. Um, but... Uh, just a quick word on Brand Van 3000, who are sometimes known as BV3. Uh, they're a Canadian electronica collective formed in 1994. This was a debut single released in 97, but it didn't get big here until 1999, of course, because it featured in an advert for Rolling Rock Beer. I don't know about you two, I've never heard of Rolling Rock Beer. No. You don't see them alongside the likes of Stella and Brewdog in the supermarket, do you? So this song's aged better than the beer. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I think it's quite timeless sound though. It doesn't it doesn't sound like a twenty one year old song, I don't think. No, I think if anything that makes it sound old is the spoken bit at the start from the radio DJ. Uh it's not the fact that it's a spoken word bit, but it's just, you know, what he's saying, you know, ring in what is Todd's favourite cheese. So track nineteen is Supergrass and Moving. I love it. I do like a lot of Supergrass stuff, and I think this is one of their best songs. It's so dramatic. I love it. The kind of slow verse to the chorus. Boom. That's great. Did it get played on the night? It didn't. No. No. This was actually one of the songs that completely passed me by back in 1999 and was one that I actually quite enjoyed getting into uh, when I was doing the prep. And probably a couple now just to brush straight past over. We've got Phil Collins, You'll Be In My Heart. From Tarzan, Disney's Tarzan. Uh, Disney Watch. Uh, and track 21 is R. Kelly, If I Could Turn Back the Hands of Time. I bet he wishes he could. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, and is this, is this uh, disc one, track one? Uh, so that's CD2, track one. CD2, track two is much, much more palatable. It's Jerry Halliwell again and Lift Me Up. Is there much of a precedent for artists featuring more than once on a Now compilation? I imagine in current days... Th- th- it probably happens a lot more, but I feel back then it was uh, it was very rare. Yeah, I think it was a rarity, particularly if it wasn't a double A side either. Obviously, Machiko Latino was released early summer, wasn't it? I think July or August or something. And then Lift Me Up had just been released in October. So maybe thinking about you know the, the method of how they choose the songs, Lift Me Up was the third single from the album. So perhaps they kind of thought it's not going to be as big if we put it on the Now album as lo- along with Machika Latino, we're not going to lose out on too many sales. And yeah, it, it was actually really big because it was part of a very famous chart battle where midway through the week, Joe Halliwell suddenly was going out with Chris Evans. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> hmm, interesting, yeah. 
uh, track 23, and this is my my choice now, and it's uh, linked to the previous track. This is Tintin Out featuring Emma Bunton. This was Emma's first foray into something um, away from the Spice Girls, and it was a collaboration with the DJs and producers, Tintin Out. This is What I Am. So that was what I am. Uh, that was the first solo or well, collaboration with Emma Bunton and Tintin Out. I love Tintin Out uh, from the more kind of dance-driven albums and tracks did, such as uh, Always Something There to Remind Strings Me. Strings for Yasmin. Uh, Strings for Yasmin. Um, they've had a couple of really great pure dance albums. And this was, for me, their first venture into something a little bit more like chart-friendly, uh, instrument-driven. Um, I think it was a great a great combination of getting the two together. And this was a big hit, wasn't it? This was a massive hit. This got to number two. Two, uh, yeah. Yes, but Rob, as you alluded to before, it was part of a massive chart battle, wasn't it? Yes, and unfortunately, uh, Emma came out second in this one. Emma and Tintin out came second. But uh, uh, this, it's fascinating because, as we said before, Jerry's song was the third release from her album. And this was a brand, a kind of a standalone single. I don't think this had been released on the Tintin out album yet. So... You would have, I would have put my money on this being the number one. Uh, although I would say, I'd, I'd probably say Lift Me Up is a better song. Uh, but it wasn't even just a, a minor defeat. It was um, Jerry's Lift Me Up sold 30,000 more copies than this song. Chris Evans must have bought them. <laughs> Do you know what? He probably did. He probably did. All those CD2s with the poster of Jerry. Uh, she's clever, isn't she? She's a minx. But I wonder, I wonder how awkward it was between them. Because obviously they weren't in the band at the same together anymore. I wonder if it was ever discussed. If, you know, because I guess they didn't talk for a few years either. I wonder, you know, if, if if it's just the elephant in the room when they get together now. You'll find, Rob, I find myself just quite often just imagining different Spice Girls situations that probably never <laughs> will or have happened. I mean, I want the Spice oh, Girls situation of, you know, all of the, uh, four of the girls going to each other. Come on, when are you going to put, like, your head go on streaming? We've got all our solo yeah. stuff. Can you oh, do the same? Yes. Yeah. When you know, she. I don't know why, because you know that's such a great. Yeah, everyone loves it. It's not like she should feel at all embarrassed about it. That's for sure. So she she owns the rights, and apparently she's not averse to it going online. I know someone who used to work for her, um, but it's just finding the time. Um, but the the kind of company of hers that owns the rights the the other guy who's a director is her personal lawyer uh, and i've i've been trying i've been emailing him and you know i said look here's all the audio files here's the cover art here's the metatag data send it to a distributor like you did for cruise beckham's song put it online um but he he just you know mostly ignores me and then the other week said um you know, thank you, thank you for your continued interest. But uh, Victoria's main focus, sole focus, is her fashion brand. But <laughs> at least it's someone's sole focus. She's going to get a lot more attention if you release that track because uh, uh, social media would just go into meltdown. It would. It? it really would. 
so the next track is uh, Martin McCutcheon, uh, and this is track number 24, and I've Got You, oh, Martin. Lovely song, and I actually preferred this to Perfect Moment. Um, you know, Perfect Moment was very ballady, but, you know, this one just had a bit more umph to it. Um, I think I can remember the video where she's, like, hanging out washing. Oh, I thought she was in a car in the video for this one. Maybe I'm getting mixed up with one of the other ones. Or maybe she did both. She... Or maybe it was both, yeah. Popped to get some aerial or something and then <laughs> oh, personal. <laughs> um, uh, and then track 25 is uh, Backstreet Boys and Larger Than Life. If you would like to hear us talk about that track in more detail, do check out our Backstreet Boys Millennium episode. It is, it's a fa- this is a fantastic, obviously, Max Martin written uh, and I think produced pop song. It's, it's huge, isn't it? it it's it's one of their biggest hits for a reason. It's larger than life, you could say. Indeed. Uh, and then we're on to track number 26. And this is, for me, uh, one I wanted to highlight. And this is from Jordan Knight, a uh, new member of, because they're still going, aren't they? Member of New Kids on the Block. This was his solo single. Uh, it's called Give It To You. So that was Give It To You by Jordan Knight. And uh, we were just saying while the track was playing how this came out and then that was it. Even though it was a big hit uh, and a really good pop song, um, it doesn't go the way you think when it starts, thank goodness, because it kicks off a little bit more. But guys, what do you think of that one? This one, I'll always just remember the dance routine in front of the Ferris wheel. Yes. The energy behind it. Very like Greece, the the finale of Greece. Yeah. Um, I because I, I liked this song, but I didn't know anything about New Kids on the Block. I couldn't have at the time, maybe even now. No, actually, I could probably name one. But I, at the time when this came out, I couldn't have named a single uh, New Kids on the Block track. Same for me when this came out. You know, I I didn't know about New Kids on the Block, so yeah, it almost felt like he was a soul. You know, just a brand new artist. Uh, he was the heartthrob, wasn't he, from New Kids on the Block? He was on All the Girls Fancied, which was ironic because he came out as gay. Oh. Yeah. He's a homosexual man. Good for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next track is Sunshine by Gabrielle. Oh, first single. A little bit of Gabrielle. First single from that Rise album. And then Rise. Was Rise the second one that was like yes. four weeks at number one or something yeah. like that? But yeah, Sunshine was nice and breezy. I, I, I prefer when she does more of her um, upbeat stuff, like When a Woman. Yes. Um, and give I, give me a little more time. One. Yeah. Oh, If You Ever if with you E17. Ever. Oh, yeah. I'd forgotten about that one. Yeah, with E17. Uh, for track 28, uh, Dan, this is your selection, which is surprising. Oh, well, let's find out why afterwards. This is Honeys with Never Let You Down. Never run around, baby, believe me Cos I will be there I'll be there always Never let you down, 
So that was uh, Honey's Never Let You Down. A part of the reason why I want to talk about this one, partly because it is a great pop song, but also because I am just fascinated and obsessed with Honey's and their lineup history. And I'm going to run through it now for anyone who doesn't know. <laughs> so Honey's started out as Selena, Heavenly and Neymar. And they released a debut single, Finally Found, in August 1998. And then while promoting the third single, Love of a Lifetime, which is a stunning song, uh, Heavenly left the band and was replaced by Mariama of Solid Harmony. Um, and they released this song. Uh, and they also released Won't Take It Lying Down, which came both came on a repackaged version of the debut album. Then in 2000, when they were getting ready to release Not Even Gonna Trip from an upcoming second album, Mariama left the band and she was replaced by Heavenly. Uh, and then after that, the band just kind of fizzled out uh, until January t- uh, 2005. They appeared on Hit Me Baby One More Time on ITV, which was a great show uh, presented by Vernon Kay. Uh, they stayed together to tour the next year and then Neymar decided that she wasn't going to tour. So she was replaced by Selena's sister. And then that same August, Heavenly left again to be replaced by Mariama again. Then they were, uh, in 2009, they appeared on the big reunion, but as Selena, Heavenly, and Mariama. So the two that kept replacing each other with Selena. Then Heavenly left for the third time in 2014. Uh, and then they've kind of, I think they might be doing like the SU and all that kind of stuff, but there's just the two of them now, uh, Mariama and Selena. Uh, but worth pointing out actually that Heavenly does have a daughter called Honey. So clearly the band still means a lot to her. Shouldn't hate it that much. No. Um, and also, Dan, that's there are more chain lineup changes there than uh, Bucks Fizz and its various incarnations <laughs> and legal illegal <laughs> versions of the band. Well, um, there was a bonus member as well, actually, um, whose name was never known, but she's known in the circles as Fake Hev. Um, so when the Honeys were promoting Love of a Lifetime in Australia, um, before Mariama had been drafted in, um, a random woman was just followed um, Neymar and Selena around Australia, even to uh, a Ramsey Street tour for their neighbours. There's a video on YouTube. Oh, apparently it's it's Amelia Lilly <laughs> helping out again. <laughs> She'll step in to make up the numbers in any pop group. Well, it's probably a good thing that um, Heavenly wasn't singing on this song. It would be quite ironic, uh, her singing Never Let You Down, having uh, left the group three times. Yeah, what do you what do you both think think to the song? What do you think to Honeys in general? I really like the Honeys, um, you know, and it, there is that pop injustice of them of you know the lineup changes happening all the time, which just led to things petering out. Um, this kind of felt like they were back on track, you know, they got the new lineup, you know, things were fine, yeah, you know, they got back in the top ten. It's just a shame that the wheels fell off so quickly. Uh, I always, uh, for, for me, uh, the Honeys, was it was finally found. That was gorgeous, yeah. yeah. That I, I think their first five, I'd even say, run of singles were all fantastic. It is just such a shame. They were, they were a great band. They had great songs. They just had really bad luck and really unreliable, well, a couple of unreliable members. And it is a real shame. Um, but yeah, at least they're, uh, they can probably still be found at your local... Um, Butlands. Yeah, something like that. Oh, Dan, question for you. Mm-hmm. Have you ever been plagued by an unreliable member? <laughs> Restore the natural whiteness of your teeth. Wow! 
Arm and Hammer Extra Whitening with baking soda. Other callers may want to flirt with you on this line. 0894-789-789, the flirt hotline. The University of Abate Dundee. Call 01382-308080 and get a head start in life. For men on the move, men like you, men in touch with other men, dial 0891-226-886 now and make contact with men you'd like to know better. With Gay Exchange, you choose the service you want. Relay chat, one-to-one -one private conversations, or voicemail messaging, which means you're online whether you're in or out. Thousands of guys call Gay Exchange every day, so call now and make contact with the right men, right here, right now. Uh, so next track is oh, it's a pop classic. It's S Club Seven and S Club Party. This would have been their first second first single. Second second sorry second single. Yeah, yeah. Uh, bring uh, it all bring it all back. Being the first. Yeah, as as performed at the Radio One Roadshow in Cleethorpes. I think the reason uh, I don't know about you, well, the, the reason I didn't choose this is because at some point we haven't done an S Club Seven album yet. We are going to at some point, so it'd be great to talk about it in more detail amongst the rest of the album. And then track 30 is Lolly's Mickey. It's the cover of a classic song. Uh, Lolly, obviously, Viva La Radio, classic mm. Lolly track. Is she on... She is on streaming services. She is, yeah. And have you? did you have a hand in getting her up there? Oh, hello. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I did have a hand in helping her get her two albums onto... Uh, onto the platforms yeah that was a couple of years ago she was uh she was a delight to work with oh she seems lovely on social media as well i think she's very much some people who like had a very early music career and now are doing something completely different would shy away but she completely embraces her time yeah. in in the uh, pop music industry although rather scarily she she in one email to me referred to her husband as the producer of the lolly project it just felt quite wow. strange for her to refer to it that way. Yeah, third person or third company mm. or something. And track 31 is Anne Lee, uh, Two Times. Two Times, that's probably a bit ambitious for you, isn't it, Will? <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> this was an earworm of a track. Yeah, definitely. But very much a, a kind of a novelty one-off thing, wasn't it? A hit, one-hit wonder. Yeah. She had a, I can remember having a rag doll in the video that she like had, she had like for a tea party. Yes. It just felt very That's odd. You did it during lockdown, Dan. <laughs> I had my rag doll and you had your blow up doll. And track 32 is Venga Boys and we're going to Ibiza. Ibiza, yes. As they would say. A number one hit, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Really? Interesting, none of us chose this one. Charted on import as well before uh, before uh, the UK release. Um, this song always annoys me, though, when it comes on a club, because most people seem to forget that the first verse is kind of double length. So everyone goes into the chorus too early. Yeah. Like Ain't Nobody. What a treat. Double length in the first verse. <laughs> <laughs> no um... wonder everyone goes early. <laughs> <laughs> Which reminds that's me, actually, always... Rob. Um, oh, we of course. <laughs> that's 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 never a good sign when someone says that reminds you. 
Well, we've got, uh, this is going to sound, we've got something in common. Oh. Um, we've both featured in Classic Pop magazine. We have. Uh, us, obviously talking about the podcast, you were talking about uh, pop musicism and One More Time. You're wearing a lovely t-shirt. <laughs> I'm surprised I got away with that and they didn't uh, Photoshop it out. Um, it's t well, we just don't understand it, so please explain the T-shirt. Um, there's there's a there's a ruler, a a 12 inch ruler with um, various faces of satisfaction along them. <laughs> well, you wouldn't get that in marks. <laughs> you certainly wouldn't. In a completely unrelated note, uh, the next track, uh, Enrique Iglesias. Uh, and Balemos. Does anyone have an opinion on this track? Really like it, although I prefer the follow-on, Rhythm Divine. I don't remember Rhythm Divine. Oh, well, that's because it, it lost out in uh, what's known as the Christmas Chart Massacre of 1999. Um, it was the Millennium Eve Massacre, was it? Uh, it was just a couple of weeks before then. It was it was um, basically too many singles were released in the, like, the fight. You know... Over Christmas, New Year, the chart kind of shut down. There was no re new releases. So that week before, mm. there was tons of stuff that got released. Um, quite a lot of stuff, uh, artists' second singles. Um, and it just, uh, there was just not enough space in the chart. So there was all these follow-ups to top 10 hits that just missed the top 40 completely. And um, it was unheard of at the time, but Mark Goodyear, when he was counted down the charts, actually revealed the positions of these songs outside the top 40. There was... Uh, Brian Adams, uh, there was Lenny Kravitz following up his number one hit, uh, Lou Vega following up the number one hit, uh, Enrique Iglesias, um, Prince reissuing 1999 and Bobman, and um, one you might like, Dan the Thunderbugs, their second single. Oh, was uh, the, ca the biggest casualty. talked about this so many times because that was was that a pop activated hit uh the album was yes yeah that second song was so good even now i might just pop that on sometimes because it is such a good pop little kind of hints of rock in it it's just such a good song and it's it's a crying shame didn't even see the top 40 yeah they should have just hung hung fire until january and then it would have probably gone top 20 so track 34 now and it's mucho mambo sway by Shaft. Ooh. Any memories? Oh, remember, remember when them start to play? Yes. Yeah, I played this on the 99.9 and it went down there really well. I think this was a, a re-record of a Rosemary Clooney hit. Rosemary oh. being the grandmother, great-grandmother, some kind of relation to George. Really? I, I believe so. Um, yeah, yeah, it's true. Wow. It's Dan, you... Yeah, it's true, Dan. Really should do some research. This they did this and they did. Um... Hey, mambo, mambo italiano. I'm trying. To, I'm going to get that one on next year onto streaming. Track thirty-five. Uh, Rob, over to you for this. This one. is ATB with "Don't Stop." So that was ATB with the X-Cabs remix of Don't Stop, uh, the follow-on to his number one hits, 9pm Till I Come. 
Um, like 9pm, it was remixed for the UK market, but unfortunately on streaming now, it's the original album versions, which seems to be the dominant version. Um, this one was very, very different to the, uh, to the album version of Don't Stop. Um, the original album version was very much a sound alike of 9pm, and the ATB now actually listed this as his least favourite track. Um, the UK remix by X Caps really has a, a much bigger beat to it. So there's a lot more oomph to it. Um, you know, it really doesn't sound too much like a carbon copy in a 9pm. I actually prefer this to 9pm. Um, I just enjoy it as a track. And that remix radio edit, it, it literally bangs and gets going from the word go. Whereas the version you're talking about that's on streaming services... It's far too sort of plinky plonky and it just doesn't do the job for me. Yeah, it's it's really weak. And and what I love about this UK mix as well is the last the coda that goes into in the last thirty seconds or so, it just the track just takes a completely different direction. You think it's probably just gonna end or just repeat more of the same, but all of a sudden there's this new life and energy to the track and it just goes in a different direction and yeah, you know, has a glorious ending. Which is always lovely. <laughs> It is indeed. Especially uh, <laughs> especially at 9pm. So I should actually say about this track, um, this one actually charted twice on import. Um, firstly, it was in March, which was even before 9pm was a hit in the UK. And then it actually spent 17 weeks in the top 100 during June 1999, when 9pm was actually in the chart. It actually spent longer in the top 100 on import than what the actual UK release did. So track number 36 now. Damn, we've never got up this high on track by track, have we? <laughs> no. Is, uh, we're definitely into the dancier back end of, of, of the Now album now. Uh, track 36 is DJ Jean and the launch. Another one of those, you know, bigger beefer hits. It was, you know, faceless producer launches track into the charts, literally, only to be replaced next week by some other faceless DJ with a dance track. There was a lot about at the time, wasn't there? Um, and a, a lot of it good, actually, but some of it maybe not so good. Uh, the next track is uh, Groove Armada and I See You Baby, uh, featuring Grandma Funk. This is more like it. Is this the Fatboy Slim version of this song? Yes. Yes, it is, Dan. That's very good. Uh, yeah, this is a fantastic... It's a great dance song because it's got that Fatboy Slim kind of harder industrial edge, but it's also cheeky isn't it quite cheeky and quite fun with the lyrics as well so it, it does a cheeky cheeky <laughs> um so yeah i think i think it ticks a lot of boxes this one i think it appeals to a lot of people was it on an advert i, I think it was a car advert wasn't it i, was, I think it was on an advert for now 44 oh. uh, and track 38 dan over to you for this one okay so this is wamdu project with king of my castle <laughs> That was Wamdu Project, King of My Castle. Uh, one of the main reasons why I chose this one, one, because I remember loving it at the time. It was a great dance pop song. We've had many of them around this area of the album. But also 
I just remember the chart battle. There hadn't been a chart battle like this since Jerry Halliwell and Emma Bunton about three weeks before. But this uh, was a chart battle with Cliff Richard, who had just released <laughs> The Millennium Prayer. Does everyone, does, does no one remember this moment in pop history? I can't remember, recall it being in a chart battle, this one. So yeah, Cliff, Cliff went in at number two. Uh, but he did end up getting the... He certainly went to number one. I think, was it Christmas? No, it wasn't Christmas number one, was it? Because that was... Oh, was it Christmas number one? Might have to do a bit more research, actually, lads. But um, <laughs> he got it in the end. As ever. To, yeah. Uh, but yeah, what did you two think of this song? I loved it at the time. I remember, again, it was just that time when uh, commercial dance music and the charts were alight with dance tracks. And I was loving it because it was just my cup of tea at the time. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I love that kind of spring noise that comes into it. You know, the... the, the, the yes and rob this is yet another it just seems very uh it seems to be happening a lot with the dance songs uh but this is another one where there's a different version uh now on streaming is that right yes uh this was a remix by roy malone um the full roy malone mix had already been on streaming but i managed to get the radio in on recently um i think partly sometimes why we got different versions in the uk um was just for the fact that a few months have probably passed since track has been released overseas. Um, probably a way of also combating the import thing as well, making sure there's something new for the UK public to buy. Track 39 now. Uh, Rob, over to you for this one. This is Alice DJ with Back In My Life. was Judy, Mila and either Yutan or Angelique, depending on where you uh, read your sources, who were better known as Alice DJ back in my life. Uh, a big hit over the Christmas period. This spent actually about seven weeks in the top 10, just, you know, in that quiet period when the chart shuts down over Christmas and there's not much new stuff coming in. So actually this sold quite a lot of copies. It's a very positive song as well. It's really got a nice sentiment behind it. And Dan, you said, um, you asked, well, this track was playing to us. You said, oh, how does, um, what was the other track? Will I ever. Will I ever. Will I ever. And Rob just said, it's the same. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Different words. Not there's anything wrong with that. Um, It's it's a good, uh, it's a a good commercial dance track, isn't it? I suppose it's a lot of fun. And I can remind, one of the reasons I bought the CD single of this was because the CD single in the UK actually had the radio edit of Better Off Alone, which wasn't on the CD single of Better Off Alone, which, um, yeah, so back in those days, there was that um, three-track, 20-minute rule on a CD single, um, and the record label, when they released Better Off Alone, decided to go with the three full-length mixes, which is quite strange when you think about how big that track was. Um, there was all these people buying the CD single, but not actually having a radio in it to listen to. I had no idea about that because I didn't buy that single. I remember having that song on now, whatever, 43, 42, um, and loving Better Off Alone. I think I do prefer Better Off Alone to Back In My Life. The singing's um, better. But yeah, Back In My Life is just, it just sounds of the time just hearing those 
synth noises and those dance noises that just brings back so many memories of um i guess being at school and school discos and all that kind of stuff school discos <laughs> underage drinking well, well, i don't know year i was in year nine when this came out oh. so uh snogging snogging behind the bike sheds at school disco mm. so track 39 now and this is elena and turn it around So that was Elena and Turn It Around. I love that track. Uh, it's a real sad banger. Mm. And I was just listening to it and like Dan and Rob were talking and I was just kind of drifting off because it was just really mesmerising, really involving. Yeah. And like Rob, you were saying, it wasn't not necessarily, it's not a singer in a group, it's more a DJ with a, probably like a session singer or someone doing the vocals. Yes, yeah. And yet, you know, it feels it was almost just from the name of it, it just feels like this is being marketed as a solo female artist. If you watch the video, they're clearly playing this sort of fake out because they they have so many uh, women stood on their own in that in that video, either singing along or just like there that you're just trying to work out, well, who is the singer here? Because there are so many different people. (laughs) Dan, what do you think? I even when I had now 44, I think. I don't even think I got this far into the album, to be honest. I would have got to Alice DJ, maybe the first time or the occasional time I would have played it all the way through. But generally, these last three songs, I don't recall them at all. I don't, yeah, I've got no memory of this song. Uh, and as a, as a dance song, it, you know, it's absolutely, you know, it ticks the boxes for dance songs of this time. But yeah, nothing kind of personal on this one. So this one was produced by a guy called Carlo Resort, who... Another one of his pseudonyms that came along a couple of years later was um, Four Strings, and they had a track called Take Me Away oh, Into the yeah. Night, which was a, a hit uh, over in the shores. Similar sort of vibe, actually, if I remember right. Yeah. So we're on to the penultimate track now, track 41. Uh, Rob, over to you. Tina Cousins, Angel. Oh, Tina Love. The legendary Tina Cousins there. Um, this, uh, this, the album probably sold much more than what Tina Cousins has ever sold in her lifetime, uh, ironically. Uh, Dame, Dame, Dame Tina. Tina Cousins. This was actually the second of two uh, flop singles, unfortunately, for Tina, um, following Forever, which um, initially at the time failed to make the top 40, but that's because um, our price had not sent their sales data. So the chart was actually. I know. Bloody hell. I know. I knew that manager in my local R price was shit when he was stood out the back by the bin smoking all day. No wonder. (laughs) And it it actually turned out when the official charts re ran the data, uh, Tina Cousins Forever actually was a top 40 hit, but it wasn't until the charts were republished 15 years later, justice was served. 
Um, but, oh my god! But this song, oh hashtag justice for Tina, justice for Tina yeah. indeed. Um, but this song was originally released in 1997 before Tina hooked up with Sash, um, and it completely flopped. Ooh. And then, following her resurgence, this was reissued. Um, they use the same video as what they've had a couple of years ago, which um, looks very cheap and shoddy. Um, <laughs> it's produced and written by Topperman Twig, who did a lot of the steps, early steps music. Uh, in fact, yeah. um, one of Tina Cousins' early Topham Twig productions, which never made the album, was Deeper Shade of Blue. Also, talking of cheap and shoddy videos, it can't be as bad as Bananarama's stuff like that, can it? <laughs> been, around, been down to fabric land, <laughs> a couple of metres of chiffon, uh, and, a, and, a, and a Dyson fan. Uh, well, the video for this, it's, uh, it's very much Tina Cousins in um, not even sci-fi b movie it's more sci-fi f movie given the budget oh lord yeah she stood in a tunnel in black and white with a wind machine blowing at her N- by any chance? no she's been carried by an angel who's not wearing many clothes um got quite a nice chest um they're apparently flying but it sounds it just looks like they're actually stood up sounds like one of the sci-fi blue movies that you like will <laughs> Space hunks from Venus. <laughs> <laughs> I would do on that DVD with the, back in, with the intergalactic. Um, if only I could think of a word that rhymed with Venus. Anyway, oh. anyway. So we're on to the last track of the album now, and this one is from me. This is a. Uh, I'm going to pass around the leisure drugs because we are going to go uh, and lose ourselves to uh, diving faces by Liquid Child. really reminds me of my days clubbing uh and again it's the kind of crossover between the dance floor and the charts and i can remember this was featured in the film human traffic which was a kind of low budget british film all about uh, some welsh youngsters kind of having a living this kind of working nine to five clubbing lifestyle um, and it starred uh, John Sim and Danny Dyer oh. in it, actually. Oh. Very, very young Danny Dyer. And the soundtrack was just like all this sort of music, that kind of commercial house uh, chart dance music that was around at the time. I really like it as a way to end this album. I think I love the, da- the, the run of dance tracks at the end. Yeah, it, it was. It's a it's a really nice track, but there's a definitely a coldness to it, and you know a bit of a sense of wonder with you know the synth lines running through and the strange, almost you know filtered bubbly voices uh, vocal on this song. This is a track that you know I really do like, and and actually this vocal radio edit was missing from streaming, so I managed to get the rights holders to put it on. Dan, what do you think? Uh yeah, I, I like this one. I. Didn't know it by name. I didn't remember it by name, but I remembered the the song. Uh, and it is a great, another kind of one of those ones that just sounds like Ibiza summer, 1999. Um, but it did actually get me thinking, actually, because you obviously picked a lot of these songs towards the end of the album. And not to, uh, I say this with no hidden agenda or anything like that, but 
obviously, I said before, I was in year nine when this came out. You was you was out clubbing when this came out. So these songs will hold a very different memory for you, won't they? I can remember um, like this track and a few others that we played. I can remember Pete Tong on a Friday night on Radio 1 used to just absolutely hammer these songs. And it was literally the start to your weekend, to your going out and... Oh, yeah to be to be that to be that young again yeah when this came out i was uh it was starting college it's just started my first job at wh smith's you know i was making those steps into adulthood oh. and uh you know listening to all this kind of club music you know just raring to go to get into the clubs and dance to it all did you get some staff discount on your uh on your cds from wh smith's then i did but obviously wh smith's didn't sell every single cd single there was Oh yeah, just a cho- I think they did a top twenty, didn't they? Rather than a top yeah. forty. Yeah. And I suppose that, that those were the days before you had to ask if you want any sweets or chocolates for a pound as well. <laughs> yes, yes. Do you want a half price chocolate orange with your Daily Mail? <laughs> oh, Daily, Daily Mail and a chocolate orange. That's like your weekend, Dan. <laughs> uh, we're out of time, so I can't believe we've rattled through forty-two tracks. Uh, and there's, a, there's only a handful that we haven't re- talked about um, in some way at all on there. So uh, well done, everyone. What a feat. Indeed. What a feat. And Rob, thank you so much for, for taking part. But also some of the knowledge you have on these tracks is absolutely fascinating. We've learned a lot from this. Also, I didn't realise until we got to the end there how many of these tracks you've actually got back onto streaming services. So once again, thank you for the work you do. That's That's all fine. And is there anything, what's on your dream, you know, is there, what do you really, really want to get back on? That It may be a way off, but what do you really want to get back on? What I would really love, and unfortunately I feel it's it's probably not going to happen because she owns it, is Let Your Head Go by Victoria Beckham. Um, amazing Kylie S. Dance song, but um, a record label doesn't own it. She owns the rights and um, she's apparently got better things to do. She's got. She's titting about on Instagram all day now, just playing with her kids. So um, she clearly hasn't. Get on with it, love. <laughs> Dan, can you give us a hint of a tease? What are we doing next on Track by Track on Tuesday? So Tuesday, we are celebrating the 20th anniversary of the debut album from one of the best uh, British girl bands of all time uh, on one of their many lineups. I've said too much. But also next Saturday, Will, we are kicking off our top 40 tracks of 2020. So we're running down from 40 to 31 next Saturday. Oh, that's great. And we'd love to hear what you you think about Now 44 uh, and also any other Now memories and maybe direct us towards a Now album you think we could do next. Because, Rob, we'd love to have you back again. I'd love to be back as well. This has been a good uh, memory blast. And Rob, how can people keep in touch with you if they don't already? Where can they find you across social media? Uh, they can find me on Twitter at pop underscore activism. Uh, unfortunately, someone had already nabbed at pop activism. Darn them. Well, yeah, they had Track by Track as well, so we're Track by Track UK. But do let us know on there what you think. And if you want to get hold of Dan directly, you can call him or text him on 07... Well, so until next time I've been Tina Cousins latest flop single I was The Lolly Project and I've been The Venga Boys double length first verse <laughs> Goodbye Goodbye Bye.
Just Rob, when you clapped, it someone like it sounded like someone had popped a balloon. <laughs> I don't know why it's funny. Oh, so I've been told off for my clapping before because it's sometimes a bit too loud and slow. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> Do I need to make a noise other than clapping? Yeah. Um, we'll just nod. We'll all... No, no, because no, then you won't hit... see that. Uh, what about... <laughs> <laughs>